Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Well everyone, I'll be honest, in true spirit of the gorgeous guest that I'm going to share with you, I am dropping this on Saturday the 27th, very hungover. <laughs> it's funny because um, the next guest and I um, met for a drunken occasion through my hairdresser's wedding that I DJ'd. And it was a great night, tunes were banging, and we had the loveliest time. But fuck me, the hangover the day after was brutal. And that brings me on nicely to our next guest. I think I've done her justice by um, being hungover for this, but you know what? Nothing that a Barocca and a couple of paracetamol won't sort, eh? So it's such a pleasure to share this story. Um, the pandemic for a lot of people has been fucking rough, but I think for this guest in particular, it really was just a bit of a shit show in one way, and that is because K Chaotic Scott is a travel blogger. Now, obviously, one of the things that you're not meant to do right now really is travel. So the fact that Kay's job solely relied on that and now there hasn't been that kind of, that option, um, it was such a difficult thing for her and she'll go more into it in the interview. However, what I found really fascinating and interesting is Kay and I seem to be on very much the same kind of par with these things that I, before the pandemic, was constantly doing so much to keep myself busy and not deal with a lot of my own conflict, my own issues. And I feel like Kay was burnt out as well. You know, she talks about it in the interview saying she was like me, she was doing far too much all the time and never took a minute to sit still. Um, and she's a Sagittarius, so, you know, Aquarius and Sagittarius love their independence and we're both that, so I can see that for her. Um, and during the pandemic... Kay found a relationship. She's now going out with someone who, like myself, has cystic fibrosis and really found her footing in different kind of ways. And it was just such a lovely interview and Kay is just so incredible. But let's get on to her and let's let her share her story. It is the amazing Kay from Chaotic Scott. Hello everyone, welcome back to Afternoon Delight with me, Jordi Delight, and we have got something so special and interesting lined up for this guest. Um, how can I describe this guest? Um, free-spirited, an absolute traveller, typical Sagittarius to a T, and um, we've got Kay from the Chaotic Scott, blogger and traveller on our show this week. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm so good. I'm excited to be on and chatting with you. I know, and you know what, it's so funny because we actually know each other, not from a drag career, but through Mary, my hairdresser. Yeah, yeah, so you you DJ'd at my best friend's wedding, so we've already got that mutual kind of contact. And now you're going out with someone that I know through another connection, which is a CFP. I know, a such a small world, especially Edinburgh, it's like a village. I felt like the world was somehow bringing me and you together and I'm here for that. I think it's, we ended up, didn't we, yeah. teach her last week on Pillridge Street and yeah. Og, and it was so cute and we were chatting about life, but obviously I was like, oh, you're coming to the show next week, this will be so much fun. And it was that um, interaction I saw you, I was like, you love traveling a lot, are you a Sagittarius? You're like, yes! <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, could you introduce yourself for my listeners, Kate? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I am Kate and I'm a full-time travel blogger at The Chaotic Scot. Um, I have been self-employed since June 2018. Um, and obviously the last year has thrown a bit of spanner in the works in terms of my career, um, which I'm sure we'll cover in a wee bit. Um, but yeah, I live in Leith, Edinburgh, um, and I'm usually kind of here, there and everywhere traveling all over the country. So hopefully not too long before I'll be doing that again. <laughs> but usually I, um, I work with um, destinations, businesses and brands around Scotland on campaigns to promote what, what they do pretty much to my audience. So it's amazing. I get to work with, you know, brilliant wee local businesses and share Scotland's hidden gems with people from all over the world. So yeah, I'm, I'm usually living the dream. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to it. Yeah, because this for me, like, it's been such an eye-opener, like, being from home all the time. But I feel like for you, you must have went through similar experiences as myself that you kind of, all the stuff that you would normally do was take and sort of put on a pause. So I think you'll have had, like, the same amount of time as me to sit and go, right, what am I going to do for now? And um, it must be such an interesting perspective. That's why it's great to get you on as a traveller, a travel blogger and stuff, because getting that perspective of someone that one of the things you can't do is go around regularly all these places as, as much as you'd want to, clearly. Um, one question I've got, right, for you, Kay, that I'd love to ask, ask your opinion on, are you in, would you consider yourself an influencer then? <laughs> I, I thought you might ask this. Um, it is, it's one that, it's one that I get asked a lot, actually. Um, it's not a, a term that I love exactly. Um, I, I see myself first and foremost as a writer. Um, that's kind of my passion and Scotland is my, my subject. And it's just through that that I've managed to grow an audience and I'm able to share experiences with them in the hope that I can inspire them or entertain them. Um, but I just think the term influencer has just got so many sort of negative connotations now. And, and the way that people are portrayed or that some of them actually portray themselves uh, online is just not, is not great. Uh, you know, we're not all just here to pose for pretty pictures. Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff about, you know, um, bloggers freeloading and stuff like that. And I, I just, I really think it devalues what we actually do. I, you know, a lot of us have I had long careers before blogging. Um, lo lots of us, you know, we're writers, we're photographers, we're digital marketers, we're, I'm an itinerary planner as well. Um, we've all got a lot of experience and I think just sort of branding someone as an influencer, I, you know, I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I kind of like the idea of inspiring people rather than, than the term influence. So, yeah. but I mean, you know, if it's, if it's in a, if someone wants to label us that in a positive light and if people feel positively influenced by what I do, then I'll take it. But it's not, a word that I would use to describe myself. And I feel like- <laughs> That's a really long answer. <laughs> there is on this podcast, never too long an answer. Um, you know, for me hearing that, you know, I, I sprung that on you because I wanted to. I was like, I just want to get that raw answer with that because obviously in sort of the last couple of weeks, there was the influencer that I kind of had this two kind of phase of a coin situation that on one hand, I understood that maybe an influencer shouldn't say that they're a key worker during a pandemic when they're abroad and, and this, it just, it wasn't a great interview. But then part of me kind of thought, why get them on? Like for me, it was a, 
why are you getting this young lassie on to talk about this? Because you know that you're ridiculing her by doing this. That's it was very much set up. It was very much set up for that, yeah. I, and I, I, I don't think that's right either. Um, and all it does is it just creates a further, um, you know, negative reputation for a lot of us who have careers in the industry. But they did. They, they set her up for a fall. And she, she you know, she, from what I've heard, I didn't actually want to watch it. Um, I've heard that, you know, she didn't put herself across that well either. Um, so, yes, this whole influencers in Dubai debate, I'm just like, you know, I can't go up the road to Glencoe to do a campaign with a client and there's people jetting off across the world to pose in their bikinis, you know? I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, that's the perspective right now that, um, and it's, it's a difficult thing to talk about, but we have to, that, that obviously UK government has said on the 21st of June, everything's back to normal. And I kind of took that attitude of, this is the most ridiculous thing to be announcing right now after how Christmas went. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think it's, it's good to give people a bit of hope and light at the end of the tunnel, especially businesses. Um, you know, it must be, well, I, I am a business as well. You know, you're hanging on by a thread, you know, waiting to figure out when normality is going to resume. But giving people an, a definitive date that they're then going to build themselves up for. I mean, you've already seen the explosion of memes on social media about it. It's just like, oh my God, everyone is just going to go out and have like mad parties, you know? So it does, it seems like madness. Um, so, and it's, it's, it could also be giving people false hope as well, because that, that was exactly what happened at Christmas, because everybody gets super excited about it. And then if things change, and we know that things can change so quickly, it just doesn't seem right. You know, I think you can easily give a rough guideline and say, you know, maybe around this time or, you know, but given a specific, like, you know, freedom date just seems like madness. You're so right. And for me, that's why when obviously Sturgeon, the Scottish government yesterday had said, we're going to aim to get all sort of essential retail open by the end of April and get self-employed businesses back open. I went, right, thank God. That's the way to do this because that's the natural progression for this that they can't control this virus. They can't control, like, virus. The virus didn't want to fuck off at Christmas. It didn't want to fuck off in, like, summer. You can't be like, oh, well, the June the 21st, raves are going to happen. Like, I am a fucking ex-raver and a DJ, and I'm like, that yeah. is not what's going to happen. And the only reason I bring it up now is because the last guest we literally had, Eva, who was a DJ in Edinburgh and moved to Berlin, had said openly on the podcast episode, you know, we're not anticipating that nightlife in Berlin will return till the beginning of 2022 which was everyday clubbing all the time not like bars being open but all the sort of shebang in the nightlife because in Berlin as you'll know like they've got clubs that are open for for four yeah. own. they don't go home <laughs> yeah exactly no I just I do I think it's I think it's unrealistic and it's giving people false hope. I mean, people that can kind of read between the lines and that are a bit savvy. Like, ultimately, I've resigned myself to the fact I'm probably not going abroad this year and I'm not going to be at a rave until next year. Um, and if I am, if something happens by, you know, some miracle, then it's a wee Brucey bonus. But um, I think just managing, like, your own expectations. But the government kind of need to help with that as well. So, yeah, it's still just such a strange... It's such a strange time, but I think it's just better not to... Uh, not to have too high expectations at anything, you know, and just to take it as it comes. And the funniest thing about you saying that you've said you're not going to plan a holiday, right, is, I don't know if you've seen this, and again, I'm getting very political today, but I'm in that mood. Yesterday morning, 
600% influx on flights being purchased. Predominantly yeah. down south in the in sort of the, um, England, but 600% influx of um, holidays after the end of May booked. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just insane. Like, and I, I, I do, like, I understand, like, I, I want to get away on a holiday. You know, I would love to board a flight somewhere. Um, but again, it's just so hard to, you know, judge what it's going to be like in a few months. Like, it just seems like madness. Everybody's, everyone's jumping on it. But, you know, yeah. each to their own. We'll just need to wait and see what happens. But I, I've got a holiday rebooked for next year. Um, and we're looking at, at maybe um, different bits and bobs to do next year, but there's no way that I would jump on trying to book uh, going abroad at the moment. You know, if the opportunity comes up and the the rates of the virus are all manageable and uh, you know the vaccine rate, everybody, you know, a, a decent number of folk have had the vaccine or it's been rolled out completely. I don't even know what the timescales are now, uh, but yeah, I do think it's just insane. But yeah, it's just one of these other you know pandemic trends that people will just jump on and seemingly having learned nothing <laughs> oh interesting hearing your thoughts with this it makes such a great interview actually so we've talked enough about the world right now but let's go back <laughs> and let's interview with before obviously you started blogging where did you mm-hmm. and study and what did you do before you went you know what I want to be a blogger I want to do a travel blog what was your life story before that yeah so Yes, going back through the mists of time. Um, so I've I'm from Edinburgh, and I've I've always lived here. Um, apart from, you know, a few stints living in different places abroad and living in London, and obviously my kind of regular travels and stuff. But I've always lived here. Um, I grew up at Wrestlerig and went to Saint Ninians Primary, went to Holyrood High School, and then there was quite a lot of pressure to go straight into uni from high school. Um, and I knew myself back then, you know, I think my attendance in fifth and sixth year was about 50%. Um, you know, my head was firmly up my arse. And if I'd gone to uni then, I knew that, you know, I would have just got pissed all the time and I wouldn't have taken the opportunity seriously. So I decided to take a year out um, and it turned into five years out because I went away to Ibiza for a couple of summers you know, that was a cultural learning experience. <laughs> and I got me, sorry. Tell us, but what was, tell me. Yeah, yeah, I just, I went over on my own as a you know, young, naive 18 year old. Wow. And, uh, yeah, you know, you get your eyes opened five, six months in Ibiza. So yeah, it was fun. I, I did a few different jobs and ended up selling laughing gas was my, my main hustle. And I think I was actually probably earned more then, age 18, than I ever have since because of the commissions. And I was apparently a really good salesperson. So, and I love clubbing, I love dance music. That's very much a part of my life. So, and it was that being away and, and being on my own as well. I just felt so free. And it, it was then that I thought, I don't think you're ever going to be able to go back and just live a totally normal life ever again. I've always said, I went to Ibiza and 2006 and I've never been the same since I think I depleted a few brain cells to be honest but uh, you know it's that kind of that kind of started it I thought no I'm I'm probably not going to follow the conventional route mm-hmm. and then I got various different jobs just for experience and for money really um, over those five years and then I went to university and studied tourism management with marketing so I did that obviously for the four years and then I stepped into a, a really good position actually at Edinburgh Airport where I was looking after the passenger experience. So 
it was great and I learned a lot and I loved the people that I worked with and I got to work on some really fun projects I, but a large part of my job was responding to angry passenger feedback um, so which was soul destroying and obviously I was trying to balance writing my blog with doing that job and it just sucked the creativity right out of me mm. and I also kind of never really fit the mould of that job you know I was kind of cutting about with my Doc Martens on and had all these big ideas and I just felt like people never really took me seriously you know it was very much it was a corporate desk job and yeah. people wore suits and I was dealing with a lot of men in suits that just looked at me like I was Raj um, and it just really reinforced to me that that kind of desk job and environment was just not going to be for me I felt like a bit of an imposter um, and I had been doing the blog on the side. Um, and then in June 2018, the opportunity came to take voluntary redundancy. And after years of totally procrastinating and thinking that traveling full time and being paid for it was like a pipe dream, I just took the leap. And, you know, I thought, I'm not ready, but I'll probably never really, you're never really ready. So I just went and, and that was it. And I've kind of never looked back. So, yeah. That's absolutely amazing. I love that. I love this. I mean, this IBFA story. Uh, I could talk to you for hours about that. I think when things are safe and we have an after party and there's drinks at mine, you can tell me all about that. Yeah, but, um, yeah I've got many a story. <laughs> you know, I understand as well that whole climbing the corporate ladder and working corporate jobs to work out what you want to do eventually. I've had a lot of friends do that myself that they've done it and then went, right, do you know what? And they've had that light switch moment you've had where they go, right, actually something has came I would maybe consider a spiritual sign really that you know like the voluntary redundancy represented itself and you thought yeah it's never never and I, I've always found people that can do that really courageous because it's quite hard when you've been in something so long to make a bold step to go it's time to leave let's move on let's take a risk and you're a Sagittarius of course you like to take a risk but um, it's absolutely brilliant and you know nicely fitting into the next part you know you obviously you're doing the blog at the side but what made you passionate then about blogging and sort of wanting to travel and do that? So this story begins in 2010. So I had just moved back up from London after a failed stint at living down there right. as a student. I just, I hated it as a student because you need to have money to live in London. Um, and the course that I had enrolled onto was just a bit of a shambles, to be honest. And it wasn't what... I thought it was going to be so I had to make the decision and I was embarrassed about it I'd had a leaving party and everything to come back from London after just three months so I came back up the road um, in the winter so I couldn't just enroll on another course straight away um, I had no job and I was just in a pretty shitty place to be honest so I started um I started looking for a job in the travel industry and I saw a uh, advert for a reservations agent for a Scottish tour company and it was a really young youthful brand so Haggis Adventures the company with the bright yellow buses and, and I had spotted so this was an interesting one um, Haggis Adventures have a sister brand in Europe called Busabout which is like well they're not running at the moment obviously but it was kind of like interrailing on a bus it was a hop on hop off network around Europe and they also did tours through Eastern Europe and sailing trips in Croatia and I had been looking at one of their brochures and I was like as soon as I get a job I am booking that nine day trip of Eastern Europe and the seven day trip in Croatia so when I saw this job advertised on the Royal Mile 
joined the dots that it was the same company, I thought, I'm going to get a job in reservations. I'm going to get a discount on these tours. And then I'm going to go away and do my traveling and whatever. So anyway, I applied for the job in reservations. I, I, was, I really pinned my hopes on it. And I thought the interview had gone really well. And then they phoned me and told me that I hadn't been successful. So, and I remember it so clearly, like I felt sick. I was gutted because I just thought this, you know, this was the right thing for me. But then she said, but we think you'd be a really good tour guide on our tour buses. Uh, would you consider it? And in my head, I was like, no, no way. Because I knew like zero Scottish history. I had not even really been out of the city. Um, I was not familiar with the Highlands at all. Um, and it just kind of felt like a bit of consolation prize. Um, so I said I would get back to them. And anyway, I sat on it and I thought, you know, if they have the faith in me being able to do it, you know, it was obviously because I talk so much in the interview or something. They obviously saw something in me. So I thought I'm going to take this chance. And I went for it and I studied Scottish history intensely and I became a tour guide in Scotland. So wow, it was like, it was like discovering a secret that wasn't even a secret. That What was on our doorstep, it was like, you know, I just really quickly realised what I'd been missing out on going up to the Highlands for the first time. And I, I fell in love with the Highlands so quickly. And then I got to watch other people have that experience every week on my tour bus. Um, and I loved being the person that showed them around my home country. So I kind of knew there and then that I had found my calling, but I knew that I wasn't going to be a tour guide forever. And then side note, so I did one season working for Haggis Adventures in Scotland. And the following year, I went over to work for the sister company Busabout, and I was chosen to guide two of the tours. And guess what tours it was? It was the nine day tour of Eastern Europe and the seven day sailing trip in Croatia. Yeah, I spent my summer guiding the two trips that I had found, which led me to apply for the job with the Scottish tour company in the first place. So anyway, yeah, that was just like the dream. So I did that for a summer and then I did a bit of tour guiding in Scotland on and off, but I decided um, that it wasn't my long-term career. So I kind of hung up the microphone and, you know, got off the tour bus. And then I decided to start my travel blog. So I was essentially still tour guiding or showcasing Scotland um, to people all over the world, but it was done, you know, through my through social media and through my images and my writing. So that was where it had come from. You know, I, I just, I had gone from not knowing much about my country at all and not even traveling in Scotland to suddenly fall in love with it and realizing that that was actually my passion and my purpose. So yeah, I started travel blogging. I used to write about international destinations as well, but I quickly noticed that people were responding most to the content about Scotland. So I thought, right, okay, we're really onto something here. So I just started to focus in on my, my Scottish stuff. So, and I mean, back then it was like, there were very few people following me. I had been to like two Scottish islands. And then over the last seven years, I've grown my audience to uh, like over 25,000 on Facebook. I've now been to 57 islands. I've been to the remote corners of Scotland and I've just had the most amazing experiences. So 
yeah, it's been crazy. It's been almost a decade in the making and it was not what I ever thought that I would end up doing. Um, but I think that's, you know, that's what happens. You know, a lot of people, you just you stumble upon the path and, and there you go. So, yeah, it's been amazing. Your face lights up when you talk about <laughs> that. that's the way it should be. Seeing the fire and the passion when you talk about something like that is really what people need right now. And it's so, obviously, people listening can't see you right now, but your face is beaming. And it just, it makes me feel so lovely that you're so passionate about that. Um, I know I joked earlier, you know, you're a Sagittarius and you love to travel, but genuinely, like, as a, as a Sagittarius, have you just always loved traveling? Do you actually yeah. get much of fulfillment out of that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, for as long as I can remember, I've always loved exploring new places and like the escapism and the excitement of of being in transit or you know even just going on everybody loves going on holiday and stuff when they're younger but I think it was really in my 20s a through tour guiding in Scotland um and then over in eastern Europe and all over Europe really um and I, and I also discovered my love of solo travel in my 20s wow. and I just really felt like so free and empowered when I went away on my own like I would be shitting myself at the airport and then I would arrive in this new place and be like oh my god I just don't know even how to figure out how to get the bus into town I don't speak the language like I don't know if I'm going to find my accommodation and and actually back then you didn't have stuff you know now I would just have it all like google mapped on my phone and stuff like that but we obviously we did have phones like it wasn't like the olden days but it was just yeah, I had stuff like printed off and stuff back then and 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 I often found myself like wandering the streets trying to figure out where the hell I was staying and stuff but yeah I always found like this immense sort of sense of satisfaction when I'd settled in somewhere and I was walking around the streets with my camera around my neck and stopping and having a coffee and feeling very cultured with myself um so yeah I've just I really love traveling solo and then I started doing a lot more of it in Scotland and then doing it as my career through the blog. And it's just, it is literally, it's not just like a hobby. It is very much like my lifestyle. It's a huge part of my life. I, I, I just couldn't imagine doing anything, doing anything. And it'll never slow down either. You know, I think your travel style might change. There might be like certain comforts you like as you get a bit older and stuff. But this is very much who I am. I've got a couple points. So, you know, what, what was lovely that you raised before as well as, you know, that sort of on your doorstep thing that I felt this growing up that a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate what a beautiful city we have. Like when I did my sponsored walk in November up Arthur's seat and fucking drag of all things. When I <laughs> but when I did, I actually got to the top and went, we live in a fucking beautiful city, like looking around at all the beautiful sunlight on everything. I thought, this is something that, before the pandemic I did they take in so I can imagine people like you really actually are totally intertwined with that you really appreciate it yeah and it, but and listen it's not always been like that I mean I totally um I was I used to once uh, very much prioritize foreign adventures and I wanted sunshine and I wanted partying and I think everybody I think you know most people go through that sort of progression with things you, you crave the unfamiliar and you get complacent about what's right on your doorstep um, and I think that's why, because it, it's funny, like a lot of people that I went to school with and like really the, the kind of people that you wouldn't expect get in touch now. And they're like, oh, you know, OK, we want to go and climb some Munro's or we want to go island hopping. Like, what would you suggest? Wow. Um, 
and it is you know it's like one of those memes that was like what was it, it was like something like what is it uh, Scottish people hit a certain age and they start bouncing up Munro's at the weekend for fun and it is it's so true because it's like you know oh right I used to sit in house parties with that lot and now they're like climbing Ben Nevis on a Sunday type chat so yeah I do think that happens with a lot of people and mine's obviously happened by chance when I became a tour guide and I was like wow bam and then since then I've just been kind of shoving Scotland down people's throats you know and dragging my pals on adventures and it is it's really nice to see people starting to appreciate their surroundings and Scotland and obviously the staycation trend is going to kick right off this year um Part of me is like, oh no, I'm going to have to share my special places up north with people. <laughs> but it's obviously like a really positive thing. And I think when when people really get out there, and yes, it might not be their holiday to Spain or wherever that they were expecting. I think when they stop and take it all in, like they will really, you know, they'll have a newfound appreciation for the country that they live in, for sure. You're so right. And it's funny. So like when you said that comment about, you know, I don't think it'll ever stop, like in sort of this traveling thing, it'll never, your passion will never like leave you. It's funny. I've been reading a book the last couple of weeks called um, Ikigai, which is all about Japanese culture and mm-hmm. sort of um, what the healthy lifestyle is in their view from their own heritage and their ideals. And one of the things they said was, they were talking about, I don't know if you ever watched Studio Ghibli movies. You know, the anime, oh, well, basically they were talking about the designer, the well-known designer of the Ghibli movies saying that, everyone quizzed him on his day of retirement. What did he do the day he retired? And he went, I went to the studio and I drew. And they were like, but you've retired. And he was like, no one, if they're passionate about something, retires. All it was, was I could go and do it freely without any pressure. I just went and did what I wanted with it. And I had no pressure about it. And I thought, it's so apt that I couldn't see me in 50s, 60s, not performing somehow if it wasn't me performing on stage it would be me mentoring younger people that were doing it I would never leave my art and I feel like it's the same with this craft you never really leave it do you know what I mean no definitely I can totally relate to that yeah so it's brilliant so in the lead up to the pandemic then you know what were you doing with the blog regularly and stuff before miss miss coronavirus hit the UK and everything kind of went fucking tits up (laughs) I mean I was um, I was probably averaging on about a trip or two a month through the blog, um, so I was really busy. I was actually burnt out to be honest. But um, twenty twenty was set to be my best year yet. I had some really good campaigns lined up. I um, you know pretty much something happening every month. I loads of itinerary planning clients because that's something else that I do. I plan itineraries for people that are coming to Scotland, uh, mainly North Americans. So I had been really busy the first three months of the year because obviously that's when people are planning their travels and stuff. So I've been doing itineraries for folk. I'd been booking in all my different campaigns. I, I was supposed to be going to Glenfinnan, the Isle of Mull, the Isle of Rassi. Um, there was loads. I've actually lost count of how many trips I had. It was actually so sad. It was just like one trip after the other cancelled. So yeah, I was just gearing up for a really good year of traveling and sharing my experiences and stuff. I, and obviously the, the rug was swiftly pulled from under my feet. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was just, I, it, my business had got to a really good place um, since going full time in 2018 you know it felt like I was finding my feet the first half of the year and then 2019 I had really hit the ground running and 2020 was just seeing everything continue to grow and then obviously that ground to a swift halt 
and I guess for you, you know, it's such an odd question, I guess, because I ask every guest this about how they found adapting their their craft or what they do. But you know, what's what's been going on with Chaotic Scott whilst the pandemic's been happening? Then how have you found that you've had to adapt things? Because obviously you've not been able to travel as much apart from during summer, maybe did you manage to get some stuff in? Um, yeah. Wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's just um, being a travel blogger without the travel is really hard. Um, and I take my inspiration to write very much from my surroundings. So I usually write the best when I'm either on public transport. So if I'm on a train and I'm just looking at the scenery and there's no distractions, there's nowhere to go and words flow really quickly and easily for me in that situation. Or also if I'm out walking or just experiencing something, I'll often reach for my phone and take notes. So to suddenly be confined to four walls, pretty much, um, not seeing any new places, my inspiration and motivation to write had just sort of disappeared. So I had to look at the things that I did feel passionate about and that I did still want to do. And that was to keep connecting with my audience. So I just had to kind of change the style of what I was sharing and either do like throwback posts as like a bit of escapism for people, which I am actually still doing at the moment. And and then also just sharing really personal posts and, and saying, you know, this is it. This is my daily life is not that exciting right now, but this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm feeling. This is how my mental health is. And here are some things that are helping me. Um, and actually, I feel like I, I became a lot closer to my audience through sharing those posts. Because it does, you know, people are following you for the content that you provide, but they're following you because they, they're invested in you. Um, and they have that sort of personal relationship with you, albeit online. Um, so yeah, you know, you show a bit of vulnerability and relatability because so many people were like, you know, you've just described exactly how I'm feeling. So yeah, I just continued to do that. And then I decided to set up a Facebook community, um, which is called Dreaming of Scotland, the Chaotic Scott travel community. So yeah, like a bit of a mouthful, but it was basically just a, a Facebook group and a space for people to talk about their previous adventures in Scotland or to um, talk about their dreams and their wish lists for the future. And yeah, it was just so well received when I launched it. I, you know, I had over a thousand members within a week. I have over 5,000 members now. And people just said it was, it was really just, you know, such a positive space and a distraction for them even just to come on and scroll through pictures of Scotland and take notes for the future and yeah it was just it was such a, a positive thing for me to focus on mm -hmm. during lockdown um, and then on the back of that I decided to launch my online shop of the same name Dreaming of Scotland to give people something tangible to keep them to make them feel closer to Scotland as well as the stuff that I was providing online so those are the kind of things that, that kept me going and that I got my teeth stuck into with my time in lockdown. And that'll be where you were selling hats and candles and stuff. You've been helping other um, self-employed business, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. So originally, um, I had only ever planned to do T-shirts with the logo from my kind of Dreaming of Scotland Facebook group. And it just kind of, when I saw the support from my audience, when I announced that I was going to be launching an online shop, I thought, you know, I'm actually going to really jump on this and 
and launch a few different things and you know really really get stuck in it so I ended up launching with t-shirts hoodies mugs with like we Scottish expressions on them prints of my own photography so yeah that was those were like the products that I launched with and you know I'm a writer I'm not a designer so I have the ideas for these products but I need other people to bring them to life so I contacted artists and designers and makers in Scotland and got them to come up with well to bring my ideas to life pretty much so it was a means of supporting my own business and being able to pay my own bills through the pandemic but it was also um, supporting other local businesses well not local businesses some of them are kind of all over Scotland but other small businesses and creatives um, and I obviously when I launched the products you know I would do a big shout out to the designer and direct people to their pages and stuff like that as well to hopefully you know secure them maybe for their work in the future and stuff so yeah it started off with those few products and then I collaborated with Megan from Sandwick Bay Candles on the Isle of Lewis she is just absolutely amazing I had come across her because she did a raffle for the local hospice up on the Isle of Lewis um, which she had only ever intended to be like a small raffle to raise money for them she was going to give away some of her own candle hampers and stuff wow. anyway businesses all over the islands started to donate prizes and because people love Lewis and Harris so much and there was a few like holiday homes that were up as prizes it just snowballed and she ended up raising 80 grand that for the hospice. Insane. 80 grand. That's so and I had I had entered the raffle and I, I was I had seen the candles online before, but obviously I looked into it more and into Megan as a person and I thought I just have to work with this woman. So I contacted her after the raffle and I told her about my online shop and I said, How would you feel about creating some exclusive scents? <clears throat> for my shop which are inspired by my adventures so that's what we did so Megan uses them um, it's all like 100% natural soy wax she hand pours everything to order the candles just smell amazing yes. so we, we started with um, four seasons in Scotland so it was my favorite destinations in Scotland over the four seasons and scents which you would associate with those so um, Edinburgh in springtime is cherry blossom Summer in the Outer Hebrides is sea salt and coconut. Oh. Perthshire in autumn is burnt orange. And uh, winter in the Highlands is wee hot toddy. So oh. we launched those four candles and people just loved them. So, which was great. And I'm actually launching wax melts really soon in the next few days, which will be the same scents. So those, that was probably the most exciting project that I worked on for the shop. And then I launched my own range of beanie hats over the winter and that just went absolutely mental as well like I was sending them all over the world um like my other half was spotting people in the supermarket in Edinburgh with my hats on that he didn't know he was like oh I was going to take a sly photo but I decided not to I was like I am glad you did mate <laughs> creepy <laughs> so but it's great because I actually see people loads wearing my hats or people message me and say that they've spotted me out walking because they saw the hat mm. so yeah it's been great and just learning the retail side of things is completely new to me you know I sell Scotland and now I've been selling kind of physical products so but it's been a, a learning curve I've made a lot of mistakes along the way um but and quite honestly it's been a lifeline for me like if I if I hadn't developed that 
I literally don't know how financially I would have got through the pandemic. So it's been amazing. And my readers have been so supportive and seeing photos of my products in their homes or, you know, people wearing my stuff out on their walks is just the best thing ever. You are bringing everyone together through little objects and it's such a lovely such a lovely token of kindness to be doing right now because kindness is what we all need and love is what we all need and they, they very much go hand in hand in the form of these objects. I love my candles. Every night they get lit in my like, house so I might have to get some from this shop now. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, incredible. You touched lightly there on the fact that you have a partner. So one of the things that's really interesting is uh, and you put it on your blog, obviously, was you ended up finding a relationship during the pandemic in ways which I thought was absolutely incredible. And it's lovely for you to kind of um, share your experiences of what it was like being the partner of someone that was shielding, because obviously I, I was shielding, and it'd be great to get your perspective on that. Yeah, so, I mean, it was not the kind of romance that I originally had in mind, let's be honest. Um, so yeah, Ross and I had actually pretty much just started dating and messaging um, right before lockdown. So we knew, we'd known each other through friends. Um, like we kind of met in house parties like 13 years ago. And we started chatting um, not long before the pandemic. And we had gone off on our first wee adventure together. So and Ross just invited himself, by the way. It was it was quite a funny story. I, I was going away on a trip on my own, as I do, to this remote railway station um, in the Highlands, Rannoch Station. So it's in the middle of nowhere. It's one of the most remote railway stations in the UK. It's just surrounded by wilderness, the Rannoch Moor. And there's a beautiful wee tea room on the platform. And there's a wee glamping hut that just looks out onto the wilderness. So I had booked that for myself. I was, I was going to be writing about it. And we were messaging and I told him about the trip that I was going on. I think we were chatting on, say, the Monday and I was leaving on the Thursday. And he just went, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I'm coming. And I was like, eh, you know, this is like first messaging. And I was like, yeah, haha, very good. And he was like, no, no, like, I'm actually coming. He was like, what time do you leave on Thursday? And I was like, OK, <laughs> I don't know if this is a great idea, but do you know what? let's just run with so literally we met in Waverley station at seven o'clock on the Thursday morning ready to get a train four hours up north into the wilderness together not even knowing if I was really going to get along that well with them but um, you know I thought what the heck I'm quite a spontaneous person so off we went we obviously had like four hours to bond on the train and then after the tea room shuts on the train platform you're in the middle of nowhere so and the weather it was it was kind of like the snow that we've just had it was just like Narnia up there it was like winter wonderland the whole train journey was just absolutely magical and we got up there and there are loads of deer that graze right next to the train station so it was just like stags casually walking past and the snow and it was just absolutely beautiful so we had a lovely night, we had a few drinks, we had the tunes on, it was great. We were very much in a wee bubble in this beautiful wee cabin. And the next day we came back on the train and people were kind of messaging in different group chats talking about like, oh, there might be like a lockdown. And we were just laughing about it quite flippantly on the train because we just had no idea how quickly it was coming. And I was a bit like, oh, do you think we'll go into lockdown? Oh, probably not. And anyway, we got back on the Saturday 
And on the Tuesday, Ross was told he had to go into shielding. And I also had to go into isolation because my mum, my mum's dentist had tested positive for the virus and I had been with my mum um, in the days between getting back for the trip. Um, so pretty much three days after the romance began, we were told <laughs> that we were now separately in isolation. Um, and it was, it was obviously so serious and scary and, you know, Ross has cystic fibrosis like yourself. Um, so the thought of something which could further impact the lungs was just absolutely terrifying. Um, so yeah, that was it. We were, we were separated from that day. And we went seven weeks, a distance dating, we'll call it. So I saw him in his garden when I took, I, I, I was going up with food and supplies. So like really romantic, you know, like here's your pint of milk and your bread and stuff. And we'd leave it in the garden. And it was so hard. Like we were, we were meters apart, um, you know, just not even been able to give somebody a hug. And he was living on his own. I was living on my own. Um, I'm quite independent anyway. So I did struggle a bit, but I'm actually quite good in my own company. You know, it kind of came and went. I'm the same. Anyway, oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, you have moments of loneliness, but overall I'm quite strong-minded and I keep myself busy and whatever. Um, but after seven weeks, I could see how much his mental health was deteriorating from being completely on his own. And we just made the decision that we were going to shield together. So again, a bit of a risk. We had been pretty much distance dating for seven weeks and that was the extent of it. So I self-isolated for two weeks to ensure that, you know, I wasn't posing a risk to him. And then I, I moved in to his flat, which is actually just up the road. So yeah, and it went surprisingly well, you know, considering it's a very strange situation to be thrown into um, anybody moving in that quickly. But given that we, it was very new and we were in a pandemic and we couldn't actually leave his house or his garden. Um, but yeah, we, we, we didn't kill each other. We actually got along really well. And we, it, we proved to be a really good support to each other through what was, a, you know, a really shitty time. So, and we just did all the usual lockdown stuff. We were, you know, doing home workouts, which, yeah, started well and, yeah, you know, fall, fell by the wayside. We were cooking, we were having barbecues, we were having drinks. We just kind of made, we just kind of made the most of it. And, yeah, being in that situation with him was just, you know, and a lot of my friends had said that as well. They're like, we're just so glad that that worked out the way that it did. Because although I was okay the seven weeks that I had isolated on my own, I think if I had had to do it, I mean, right through until now, you know, I don't think we anticipated this was still going to be happening. I, you know, I think I would have really struggled. So, but yeah, it was good. And I felt reassured knowing that Ross was safe and, and that we had each other through that. So... Yeah, it was, it, and, it, we, and we were really, um, you know, I remember like one day we had decided to go for like a walk round the block and it was like, you know, very much on edge and like, oh, there's a person walking down the other side of that street. You know, it was all, it was all really kind of scary. Um, and I think people are maybe a bit less cautious now, which is probably not, not a good thing. Um, I think we were a lot more scared the first time around, I feel like. Um I Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, I'm just glad he was safe during that time. And obviously, he, he's not in shielding now. We're not like, obviously, we don't socialise. We're, we're still um, in a bubble, just the two of us. Um, and he will go and he will come into supermarkets and stuff with me now. Whereas before, that was just, 
you know, neither of us went anywhere. So it, it is different now. We're definitely more, a bit more relaxed, but still obviously cautious. Yeah, and it's it's the same for me. Like, I was the same as Ross, that, you know, I didn't leave my house for five months. And I think, you know, something for me this week, Kay, that was really hard was, obviously, I really understand the frustrations from people that they're upset because they've been doing this since December, essentially. And it's really tiring. But I kind of sat and was like, you know, people started on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram because I was saying I don't think June 21st was a viable way to, like, you know, give us a deadline. Everyone was like, this can't go on. You don't understand how I feel. And I'm sitting thinking to myself, like, I couldn't leave my house for five months and to go for a walk, to go yeah. and get milk and bread. So yeah. I actually really understand how this is. But the difference is, a year ago, I was on my own mentally that no one else had to go through that. You know, people like me and Ross would have understood each other. But yeah. Paul, people like out and about were able to go out and about as long as they were making sure they're social distancing, go to the shops, etc. The advice was stay at home. But people yeah. for walks and do exercise. So that's why I'm like, I was on my own mentally a year ago, whereas now we're actually all in this together now. It's just harder because everyone's getting on top of each other. But I know yeah. about um, that with you and Ross. like, And I think, I just think it's a lovely story. That's why I wanted to ask you because I just think... For me, I've been doing a lot of work with this um, charity in Fife, doing like theatre work with like local groups on Zoom. And one of the things we've been looking at is sort of those little glimmer of hope and moments and the gratitude moments that, you know, the pandemic paused a lot of things, but it paused you travelling. But in a way, you now are in a relationship. And you, I feel personally that this is just my thought on this, but in a way, you having that time to sort of spend getting to know someone, like, you know... someone traveling with you a lot of the time like you probably on that first date in fact were in your element because you were getting a travel do your thing but you had someone with you on that that's the ideal for you I can imagine yeah definitely I think it's always been um, I've always said for me what I had always wanted was to find someone that I could go and experience those things with but that would also still allow me to do it on my own not that anybody would say no you can't do it on your own but someone that would understand I mean you know because I will still very much still want to do my solo adventures because I don't want to lose my independence uh, you know in that respect but to have someone that I can do that that kind of stuff with so yeah meeting him and and having this experience with him has definitely been you know the one of the main positives that have come out of the last the last year for sure can, I, can you remember Ross's birthday? I'm just nosy because I'm just thinking Sagittarius and... So he's 26th of May. I can't yeah. remember what his star sign is, actually. Aye. I think I've looked it up, but I can't remember. If it's the 26th of May, it's a Gemini, and I can see that because the Gemini and Sag get on very well, so I could see that. Yeah. No, we do. We're both... Um, yeah, we're as mad as each other and, you know, he doesn't take life too seriously and the way that he's approached his health and his outlook on everything is just absolutely amazing. He never complains about anything and, you know, you know firsthand what it's been like growing up with an illness like CF and, yeah, you would just, you would just never know how much he's gone through and the symptoms that he's experienced and actually, like what you're saying, you know, when you hear some of the gripes and moans for people and you think, God, like, you know, you need a bit of perspective here. Like, you know, there's people, and again, like problems are all relative and I do, and people's struggles are valid, you know, regardless of your situation. But sometimes it's like folk just need 
a wee reality check, you know. I feel like um, the pandemic has brought out a lot of kindness in people, but also like a lot of selfishness. <laughs> and I'm just like, what planet are you people on? But yeah, going off on a tangent. But yeah, Ross is amazing. Like, he's a big, he's actually 40 this year and he doesn't look it and he doesn't act it. He's like a big kid. Um, and we, we laugh a lot. We drive each other mental because we're both pretty annoying. Um, I'm super grumpy, but I, yeah, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Like I wouldn't have wanted to navigate through this mad shit storm with anybody else. I think it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful story, Kay. I love it so much. And, um, you know, obviously it's been a lot for you, this pandemic in general. You know, what sort of things have you been doing to cope during the pandemic? For me, um, I'm a... I'm a planner and that works really well with my travels like uh, I'm constantly planning things I'm planning routes I'm planning itineraries I do it for myself I do it for other people I like to plan ahead I like to know what I'm doing um, anything that me and my friends do you know it's usually me that organizes it I book it I get the tickets you know I, I organize like a rave on a barge um, we did like a wee dance festival in the woods years ago if we're going on a john anything I'm like chief organizer you guys just give me the money and I'll tell you where to be so I've kind of applied a similar approach to tackling lockdown like I love a list um, and for me having a bit of direction or a wee list or a focus gives me like a sense of purpose so something that I do religiously and I've got it just in the notes on my laptop um I like to plan my kind of week or my days a bit in advance and it can be like when I'm talking about to-do lists during a, a pandemic like I'm not saying people need to go achieving loads and being super productive because I feel like there was a lot of pressure on people to be doing online courses and smashing their goals and shit during a pandemic which is just crazy um it's a bloody minefield but for me it's like I'll write a list like um morning coffee this is what I'm having for breakfast take medication home workout phone gran watch this tv series you know it's pretty much just mapping out all of the wee things in my day um stuff I need to get from the shops I keep separate lists of like books I want to read films I want to watch tv series so that if you have a day where you roll out of bed and you just think you know I just cannot be arsed with anything today I've got no brain power I don't know what I'm doing I feel shit even just being able to refer to something like a list of films to save you mindlessly scrolling through Netflix. So I do that um, every night. I look at my list for the next day. And like I say, I list everything on it. And then the next day when you're ticking things off, there's just like that wee sort of sense of satisfaction, even if it is literally that you've just drank your morning coffee, you know? Um, and I love doing that. And, and I'll also sort of loosely plan meals in advance. I'll write um, recipes that I want to try and wee shopping lists and stuff. And again, it's just like, it just helps me feel like I'm moving forward or that I've got a bit of structure. And, and listen, like if there's, I regularly copy and paste stuff for one day's list onto the next, because I've just not fucking done it. Um, so I don't put pressure on myself to be, you know, to achieve loads. And if I do not have the brain power in that day to get something done or I feel shit, I just give myself a break I'm kind to myself I tell myself there's no rush to do anything and I just shimmy it you know I'm quite good at listening to like knowing myself and just saying right you've done enough today like just put the tv on light a candle wrap yourself in a blanket and make yourself something nice to eat 
you know, I've got really good at this whole self-care thing. Like my skincare routine is so much better. Um, And like fresh air and exercise, that's another massive one for me. Um, And it's been a saviour, really, even just getting out for a bit of fresh air and a walk. Um, I do have a fitness coach and I do weight training three times a week from home. I'm not saying that anybody needs to aspire to be stuck in at three workouts a week because I'll tell you the first lockdown, I most certainly did not. Um, but I've really, you know, found my enjoyment in exercising and lifting weights and stuff. So um, that for my mental health has been a saviour. And yeah, just when you're having a shit day, literally just take yourself out, get some fresh air, breathe it in, clear the head, put your favourite tunes on, put an audiobook on, come home, have a nice cuppa and cuddle up, you know? It's just finding the wee things that make you that make you feel good um, and then not putting pressure on yourself to achieve too much. And that is literally, you know, I feel like I've finally nailed this lockdown malarkey towards, you know, the end, the end of it. But um, yeah, I feel, I feel like it's, yeah, I think I've, I've kind of got it mastered now. You've totally got it mastered. That was what I was doing May in 2020. I ended up, I put mine on Twitter and I remember putting my list of things that it was just activities of a nine o'clock, have a coffee, 10 o'clock and put on the news for 10 minutes. And I was, I ended up sharing it. The amount of people that were like messaging me, thank you so much. This is helping me right now. And I was like, oh, and they were like, when people say lists, we think it's like list of accomplishments. And I'm like, no, it's a routine that can keep you motivated. Because at one point mine just became you need to get up before 10 o'clock and make your goddamn bed and get a shower, even if it's to get back in your jammies, but you need to do it. Because you'll just, I'm very bad that if I don't stick to a routine, I'll just spiral. And some days I allow myself, like, when I was going through a really hard time during the pandemic, um, when my friend had passed away, I just was like, okay, so the next three to four months, no holes barred, just do what you need to. And I made that acknowledgement because I thought, I'm not going to tell people everything's fine for a week and then be a meltdown the week after. I'm just going to say... This isn't great. Let's just take the reins off and just see what happens with this. And these lists, I've got lists every night and day and every Sunday I plan my whole week out and things that go to plan because I'm so much more likely back now that if it doesn't go to plan, I'm like, all right, well, what's plan B then? Whereas before I'd have been like, why is it not going the way I want? I'm so pissed off. Like, Absolutely. And I'm I'm the same. And I think um, that was very much me before the pandemic as well. Like I was doing too much too fast-paced, losing my shit if I wasn't meeting my own expectations, like the pressure I was putting on myself. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot to be learned for that. And and there was, like, memes floating about as well that it was, like, you know, sack being productive during the pandemic. If you're getting out of bed and you're managing to, like, shower yourself and feed yourself, that is an achievement in itself. And everything else can just be a bonus on top of that. You're so right. I'm so glad you've said that because that's so apt and so true. And, mm. um, you know, obviously being a travel blogger and stuff, you know, what's, it's it's a difficult one to ask people in afternoon like, what are their goals? Because, you know, things are so unpredictable, but, you know, have you set yourself some goals that when you can go back to traveling, you want to accomplish? I mean, I, I just pretty much want to pick up where I left off. Um, you know, I've got, places that I'm just dying to travel back to and I've got places that I want to go and see for the first time I've got businesses that I had campaigns lined up with before that I would love to work with again Um, and obviously I really want to start planning itineraries for folk 
um, because that's what I'm just so passionate about. So yeah, I'm not planning too far in advance. Um, I do have a trip booked, like a summer holiday for Ross and I and his daughter Colette. So yeah, I'm just going to like take it as it comes. Um, obviously, I really want to start earning money through my blog again and booking in some campaigns. So that's obviously the priority. And I do, I think it will all come in good time. Like I keep just reminding myself that it, it will it will all be okay. And that the time that I've spent during the pandemic, just, you know, engaging with my audience and growing my audience will serve me well for coming out of it because I have, I've stayed active on social media. I've kept Scotland in people's minds. And hopefully when the restrictions are lifted, people will um, book itineraries with me or hire me to promote their businesses and destinations so yeah I just want to get I just want to travel again and share Scotland with people I just want to write and I want to take pictures and just inspire people to to see what Scotland has to offer so that is just that that's always my goal and that's exactly where I want to pick up again I love that that's so great Kay it's honestly it's been so great having your afternoon delight um, for season two different to season one we asked people what did 2020 teach them or what are they grateful for in 2021 it would be great to hear your thoughts on that I am definitely and I think it's the same for so many people it's just taught me to appreciate the small things and appreciate our freedoms while we have them like how much did we all take for granted simple things like going for a pint being able to go and visit your granny, being able to travel, you know, all of these really, being able to celebrate a birthday with someone, hold your friend's baby, like, you know, all these simple things that we would normally take for granted. So massively newfound appreciation for that. Um, and and I, I obviously always feel very lucky to, to be exploring and to have the adventures and experiences that I do, but I feel like that's just going to be on a whole new level when I get to go away again. Um, it's taught me that, I definitely need to slow down and be more realistic with what can be achieved. You know, I'm already at the stage, like if I look at my, my trusty list and I have like more than two work-related tasks on my list in one day, I'm already freaking out. I'm like, oh my God. Um, whereas before I used to be juggling so much and traveling all the time. So I'm definitely going to try and slow things down because I was really burnt out, you know, I was getting sick all the time, um, I was grumpy, I was tired, and then I would end up floored for like a week or two, not being able to do any work, because I had just been burning the candle at both ends, so that's something that I'll definitely um, be looking to change when I come out of that, so it's been a huge learning curve, um, and then in terms of um, the things that I'm most appreciative for, it, it is, it's really like my friends, my family, and having Ross, um, through this pandemic and you know although a lot of our relationships have been um, nurtured online or on distance walks or whatever um, I just feel like it's brought everyone so much closer together and I just would not have got through the pandemic without those people in my life and my audience as well of course um, for sticking around when I've not been traveling and for listening to like my constant yo-yo mental health woes and also for, for purchasing things in my shop and just supporting what I'm doing, because literally without that support, I just 
financially and mentally I would not have got through the pandemic so I feel just really grateful and really lucky to have had that. That's absolutely incredible honestly it's truly amazing it's just such a lovely answer to have family and friends right now albeit digital or in person for a walk is really what is keeping us going. Oh, it's been such a pleasure to have you you're doing such inspiring work and uh, every episode of Afternoon Delight we close with an inspiring quote from yourself or from any other guest and I would love for you to share your quote before we wrap up. So it's a totally random one. Um, It was a quote that I had read years ago and it's just always stuck with me. Um, It's a quote by Benjamin Franklin and it is, um, so this is like total old school chat as well. Um, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time for that is the stuff that life is made of. And for me, it just resonates so much because I am very much a person that, has like a, just a fear of life passing me by. Um, and I've always just wanted to make the most of the time that I have and just make the most of every opportunity. Um, so wasting or squandering time um, is just not something that, that I could ever do. So that quote has just always stuck with me, you know, make the most of life, don't squander time. Um, and it's, yeah, it's totally apt for the situation that we're we're just coming out of. So that is definitely how I will be continuing to live my life going forward. I know for a fact that you and I will not be wasting time when things return. Kate, thank you so much for joining me on Afternoon Delight. It's been such a pleasure. Stay safe and well. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting to you. What a lovely way to end Afternoon Delight. It's so true right now that, you know, we shouldn't be squandering time because... We've got a lot of it right now. Um, We've got a lot of time right now. And it was just honestly so true that... I know I joke at the beginning saying I was hungover, but I made sure I got my fucking ass up this morning and, you know, recorded this, took some paracetamol. I'm meeting my friend at 12 to put in a funding application. And I'm not going to squander time being hungover, you know, like, sometimes you can pick days that you just want to lie in bed and do fuck all, like me and Kay mentioned, be kind to yourself, but I thought to myself, no, do you know what, like, get your ass up and get this sorted, and of course I would do that for the gorgeous Kay, and I'm just, I filmed, during the pandemic, we've been doing the Gratitude Initiative, which is my thing with On Five Cultural Trust, and one of the things we've done was we wrote this story about a key worker who um, lived with someone that was shielding, uh, in Fife and I just I take a lot of inspiration from everyday people and when I was writing it I just remember thinking of Kay and Hutchie um, our partner and thinking oh they literally found like you know a relationship during the pandemic and I think that's beautiful and those little moments are gl- glimmers of hope and it's so interesting because that brings me on nicely to my next thing that for season three because um, next week I've got two guests and then that's it and then I'm taking two weeks off and we're doing hope and I think this is going to be such an important message is that you know we'll be looking at what's one form of hope that is getting everyone through the pandemic and I think that's a really lovely way to kind of look at that you know Kay managed to take time for herself work out what she wants to do slow down a little and now she's got a relationship and when things return I can imagine she's going to try and conquer the world with Hutchie it's it's such a beautiful story and thank you Kay for joining me um Obviously, it's such a pleasure speaking to you in general. I'll no doubt run into you in Pilgrim Street next week or something. Um, but yeah, it was such a great interview. I'm so glad that Kay joined me. 
and um, I look forward to me and her getting absolutely messy at a rave in the future. I'll be back tomorrow on Afternoon Delight, hopefully not too hungover like today, and I'll be interviewing Alex McCrossin, a non-binary dancer from Shaper Caper. Gonna be such a great interview. And then, yeah, I'll hopefully not be hungover and I'll have my like shit together, I like to tell myself. Um, I'm away to now go for my 700 walk of the week with my friend and do a fun application. But until then, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon delight. Real people, real stories.